Hi, welcome to another episode of the Consulting Trap. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. With me today is Sean Boyce from Podcast Chef. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, Brian. How are you? Well, thanks. Um, Sean, you and I were talking just a couple minutes ago, and we wanted to uh, make sure that we can share with some of the folks that haven't heard the story about how Podcast Chef came about. So if you could tell us a little bit about the early days. I know we're not talking about podcasting by candlelight, but back in the early days when uh, you know the the podcast was an idea that you had. How did you you know how did you bring that out to the market, and what were the, what were the things you were thinking about? Sure, will do, and I'll take a step back so that folks can also have a bit of an idea, kind of what my background is, and ultimately how this became a thing. Right. So my area of expertise is in building product businesses, and the range goes from SaaS, like software, what someone might consider to be SaaS or software as a service, stuff like that all the way to and through what people are typically referring to these days as productized services. But either way, it's thinking of buying a product, so to speak, and a product that solves a specific problem for a specific persona or customer. Now, in this case, and what I do with the work that I do on the product side, which I do as a consultant under a different brand, but the folks that I'm helping, we leverage different types of, and this is common in the engineering world, but design patterns. Just like essentially which strategies have been determined to be the most effective if we leverage those, right? Um, so in the case of building the product businesses, what we're often trying to do is figure out how to solve our own problems. And then chances are, if we solve that problem, other people like us that match the same type of business or type of work that they do, they may have that same problem and also need a solution to it. So a lot of times, and you see this, there's plenty of really popular examples out there like the base camp story. But in that case, essentially what they did was they needed to solve their own problem where they, the project management software systems that were out there didn't do a good enough job ultimately that they needed. So they built their own and then turned out that a lot of other companies like theirs needed that solution as well too. That ended up being a runaway success for them, so much so that they ended up stepping away from the original business and focusing on just Basecamp because uh, that ended up being so successful. So for me, in this case, I set out to kind of solve my own problem. Here's what it is. And this is kind of getting back directly at your question. It's I needed a way to try to efficiently essentially be able to grow my network, right? Because I needed to try to meet folks and help them understand what it was that I was doing to see how I could more efficiently find other people that might need my help. And I was trying to do that, or I should say throughout the course of trying to solve my own problem, I tried at least two different strategies with different levels of efficiency and effectiveness. I am obsessed with efficiency, as you know. So for me, it was really about figuring out how to do this with, how to generate the best impact with the least amount of time involved. But the two ways that I had tried previously that I would consider to be either somewhere between unsuccessful or relatively successful was in-person networking and leveraging lead generation services. I needed to find more people that needed my help and people do business with those that they like. So the networking piece was a really important element of that, right? Go out, physically meet people, go to events. Even there were virtual options. This is also before the pandemic, so different world. But that was one great way to meet other folks. I could find out how I could help them. They could find out how they could help me, even if it was we didn't need each other's services directly. We could make referrals, and that might ultimately lead to us being able to find the person that ultimately we can help. So the way I describe it is that the networking piece, like the in-person networking piece, 
was effective because ultimately that is a great way to generate results, but it wasn't efficient. It was very time consuming. I did go to the events to be at various events. I, I went to a lot of events that I wasn't really able to meet anyone who ultimately knew my world all that well. So they couldn't really connect me to too many people that I could ultimately help and vice versa. I wasn't necessarily able to help them. So it took a long time to figure out how to leverage networking to be a little bit more efficient, but it never really became efficient. It was very time consuming. It's still important. It's still something that I do, but it wasn't efficient enough for me. So I, I went I went looking again for a better solution. And then that's when I came across and ultimately started experimenting with lead generation services. So if you're familiar, there's a bunch of companies out there that might offer as a service to try to help understand your value proposition and then start messaging people that might be in your target market with more of a direct sell in terms of helping them with whatever it is that you do. So I experimented with it, a couple of options here and it makes great promises as in it's going to be you know, super efficient because they're going to do all the work for you. And essentially, they're just going to bring you customers, right? Sounds great. Who doesn't want that? Well, in practice, as it turns out, that's really not how it works. Uh, I was pretty skeptical from the beginning, but again, willing to experiment and see what the results might look like. But at the end of the day, it ends up kind of just being a spam machine because what they're really doing is just, in my opinion, almost borderline harassing people, which does more damage than it does good. And they're going and they're leading directly with, you know, trying to sell them stuff, like, which is not really the way anyone wants to be approached. Uh, definitely not me. I, I hate that. So that for me was more of a, you know, they approach people with the, hey, you buy this. And you really very rarely get a positive reaction from almost anyone if that's kind of how you're doing it. So the results are pretty poor with most of the services, in my opinion. So while it promises to be much more efficient, I don't have to go to you know events any longer, so to speak. So I get a lot of that time back. The results aren't there. So it wasn't it was efficient, but it wasn't effective. And on the networking side, it was effective, but it wasn't efficient. So neither one of the two of those really did a great job of helping me solve the problem that I had. So um, ultimately, what I did was I started experimenting with different ways to be able to do this a little bit more efficiently. And that's how I stumbled upon podcasting. It was one of like five to 10 or so options I had considered to try to see whether or not I could strategically and efficiently meet people and I could do so virtually as well, but under the pretense of you know having them coming on my show to record a podcast. Um, and ultimately the results were significantly better than really either one of the two previously in terms of my ability to meet people because everyone wanted to be a guest on a podcast. And this wasn't just a this wasn't a empty offer. I really genuinely wanted them to be on my show because it was an opportunity for me to learn from them, to do more target market discovery, to better understand the problems and challenges. And then if I had the expertise and I was in the right place, I could then help them in real time over and using the podcast. So it also helped me solve kind of the consulting trap problem that I, I usually refer to and is what we kind of decided to name this show in that you go through these periods of being busy and then not because... You have to constantly keep your pipeline full, but then when you get busy, you stop investing in filling up your pipeline. So I was unable to do essentially kind of business development and marketing at the same time. And in my opinion, it's important to be able to invest in both, to be able to grow and have a successful business. So the podcast enabled me to come up with a more efficient way to meet people and ultimately also led to an effective way for me to meet eventually some people that might need my help. But at the same time, it enabled me to also invest in marketing through the podcast, where I was able to relatively efficiently generate great organic marketing content 
So ultimately that ended up being the best solution for me. And then as it turns out, just like I was telling at the beginning of the story, uh, a lot of other people needed the same type of solution and had the same problems that I just described. So that's ultimately uh, why we decided to turn it into a, uh, a service offering. Tell me a little bit more about how, uh, you know, the mechanics of that worked out, right? So Podcast Chef is is a pretty uh, interesting offering in this space. This We're not, you know, obviously we're not the only company that does podcasting as a service, um, but but our service mix and our service profile uh, are, are pretty specific. Um, how did you determine what is kind of in scope and out of scope for the podcasting conversation? And more importantly, when did you decide to add guest booking into that conversation? Yeah, great question. So it started with the basics, right? As in way back when, I was just messaging folks, asking them to be a guest on my show. And then as I started doing that, I ran into problems of my own because I didn't know the first thing about podcasting. Uh, a good product person will usually try to test their value proposition as much as they can to see whether or not people are motivated enough to want to solve that problem or get involved before they ultimately do a whole lot of building. So I started messaging people to be on my show. And at the time, I knew nothing about podcasting or had ever recorded an episode before. So this is many years ago. Obviously, things have changed now, but that was on the early stage kind of what was going on there. But as people started to respond positively, then I started to just basically like scramble to catch up and figure out what was going to need to be involved in order for me to be able to do this and be able to manage it moving forward. And I quickly ran into a bunch of bottlenecks in terms of the editing of the shows, creating the show notes, all these types of things. There uh, was a lot involved. In the beginning, I was doing all the work myself. So I was kind of figuring out how to do it and learning from others as they shared their best practices to try to improve. But as I started to realize where the bottlenecks in the process were from zero, I started trying to find help in to, to have folks take over the pieces of the process that I had designed out that were, again, effective for me, but not particularly efficient, right? I wanted to get that time back now. At the same time, if I found an expert who knew how to do that better than I did, which was probably going to be pretty easy to do because this wasn't necessarily where I had a ton of experience at the time, they could make the process even better as in they could add a lot more value to it. They could do it better than I could. And that would increase what ultimately became our value proposition. So, but all I really did was I followed the bottleneck process. If you're familiar with that process where as I was, you know, producing shows and sharing them, what was slowing me down the most was the next step that I figured out how to build a process for ultimately myself first. And then as that became the bottleneck and slowing me down the most, and there was enough work to, uh, there in order to hire someone to help me out, I started adding members to the team to start managing that part of the process. And then I could delegate it away from me and I could keep moving and I could focus on meeting new people, recording more episodes. And I just kind of kept doing that until I was at a level of involvement that I wanted to have, which was basically just meeting new people and recording episodes. And then to your follow-up question about the guest booking, that's where ultimately that came from. Since I had done the same thing, I had built a process for it. I was originally messaging folks to ultimately be a guest, but I realized that that was a process that I could delegate as well too. And that's when I went looking for help to kind of take over that part of it as well. So that uh, I would ultimately then, there were a couple of pieces to it, right? There's like the stuff that happens before the recording. There's what happens in meeting folks and doing the recording as like step one and step two. And then step three was everything after the recording, and that's putting the episodes together and sharing them with the world. So I had those three pieces. Originally, I was doing all three. Then I was just doing two and three. And then I realized I could also delegate out step one. So eventually, I had a team helping me do 
everything before the recording and everything after the recording, and I could just focus on the recording. The it, I find it interesting because it seems like um, you know in your in your sort of discovery process, you, um, you you as you came to the the market with the service. Um, the podcasting sort of angle essentially became what is effectively a lead generation service in and of itself with a focus on that relationship building. So how does, how is this sort of functionally different than the lead gen services that you were trying to, you know, you were trying and experimenting with early on in your own uh, journey? Yeah, great question. And that is ultimately what I was trying to do for myself. I was trying to solve that kind of a lead flow problem is I think how I kind of define it now. And, it's evolved in terms of how I've described it over time as I've gotten a better understanding even myself in terms of what it was I was trying to solve. But as a soloist consultant, that was really what it is I wanted to leverage it for in order to help me solve that problem and do so efficiently. And, and it did really well for both myself and now all of our podcast show customers. But um, yeah, that was that was ultimately, you know, what was what was the area of focus here was to figure out essentially kind of how to leverage it in order to solve that problem. And that's ultimately what it became, right? Is it, it became a way for folks to be able to figure out how to solve that kind of lead gen problem. But in terms of how it was different than those other services marketing that directly, whereas they were leading directly with the cell, which is a really difficult way to try to start a conversation, right? I, I had this one this one instance where way back when, you know, dinosaur times when I was working in an office uh, and I had a landline, <laughs> I should date me well enough. But I got a phone call from uh, at the time I was running a small team. I got a phone call from uh, basically like a, a uh, benefits broker, somebody who would work on providing for your organization, whatever, healthcare, retirement plan benefits, that type of thing. And they I picked up the phone. It was a random cold call and it went directly into basically what we needed and they started talking about how basically you, you need you know they started describing how they they noticed our so one of our benefits was underutilized it was like excuse me like how how do you know that we uh, what benefits we have and how utilized they are apparently they pulled both some publicly available information and then just filled in some gaps making some assumptions um which uh, i'm not going to say that was necessarily incorrect but it was still basically creepy and almost felt like an invasion of privacy. So I was immediately almost perturbed with like, I don't know anything about you. I've never met you before, but at the same time, you're like snooping around my company, trying to figure out how to sell whatever it is that you're selling. So immediately I was off put by that kind of reaction. And again, at the same time, I'm not saying this individual is necessarily incorrect. They may have been correct, but as we, you know, Regardless of kind of where it went from there, I was trying to collect my thoughts and try to understand how I even got here and essentially take a moment to breathe and get off the phone. And the person really wouldn't let me get off the phone. I'm sure we've all been there before. And by the time that call was over, I just I had such a bad taste in my mouth from that whole experience. I'm like, I would never do business with that person, no matter what, under any circumstances, because of that interaction that I had. Um, it's just the absolute wrong way to approach people, in my opinion. And because I had that kind of reaction, I never wanted to do it to anybody else. And that's what I felt like a lot of these lead gen services do. And the reason why I, I have a feeling why others would probably agree with me there is because if you look at their kind of so-called benchmarks in terms of how they measure success, a lot of it is like, yeah, well, if we get like 
half a percent or or one percent is really good. Like that's you message a hundred people and you get you know a meeting with one person. That's fantastic results. I take a look at that and I'm saying like, if ninety nine percent of the people you're messaging want nothing to do with you, you're telling me that is great results. That feels horrible. And I feel like I'm ninety nine percent of the people that I'm messaging, I'm just harassing with stuff. And that ends up being the case, right? Like a lot of people does damage to their email domain. Um, you know, it it soils their reputation, all these types of things. And it's because of that type of experience that I had. So I never wanted to do anything like that. I always felt if you need to kind of stoop to that or you have to leverage that, then you're just thinking about this process wrong, right? Sales isn't about trying to like necessarily convince anyone or coerce someone into cooperation or anything like that. No, it's about like meeting people and like getting to know them, them getting to know you, figuring out what each other does, figuring out what problems you solve. And if they have a problem that you solve or they know someone who has a problem that you solve, now you can start having that conversation, right? But you don't just immediately meet someone. It's like, cool, let's head down the aisle, right? We're ready to get married. Like that doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's no other part of our lives when where that makes sense yet somehow in sales, there's a lot of bad information in companies out there trying to do it this way. So um, it was trying to differentiate ourselves from from that particular problem. It's funny you say that. Like the the uh, the understanding that that in in a meaningful uh, a long term relationship that you're trying to develop, um, you know, you know, it, it it brings to mind the idea of a, a relationship counselor giving traditional sales training advice, like, okay, so this is the part of the overcoming obstacles conversation you're going to have with your future spouse. Are you, you know, it, it's just absolutely insane. So when, when it comes to that, uh, you know, I think you've baked in a, a philosophy of sales into the podcast chef sort of value proposition itself. Can you shed a little more light on that? So, I mean, it's, it's clearly not the, the old school, hard push, you know, uh, Ben Franklin close kind of stuff. Give a little more insight here as to what you're thinking. Absolutely. So it really plays off that philosophy that people do business with people that they like, right? So as you start to build and invest in a relationship, there becomes more opportunity to trust each other, to help each other, right? And that's what it's all about, in my opinion, right? It's it's understanding the journey that you're on. It's enjoying the journey that you're on, but it's being comfortable with everything that it is that you're doing in order to fulfill kind of whatever it is, your destiny, like whatever whatever your mission is, whatever you're planning to do for the world, however you're planning to make it better, right? You need to be comfortable with the way that you're doing it. And if anybody's trying to encourage you to do it in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, you need to stop or interrupt that process and figure out what works best for you as opposed to what someone's trying to get you to do, right? And one of the, uh, some uh, there's a number of elements here that can kind of take the pressure off a little bit as well too, is it's all about, in my opinion, like being proactive and investing in this process. So over time I learned, and I know we've had conversations like this too, in terms of the whole like hunting versus farming element. The farming element is a much more attractive proposition for me in terms of building the right kind of momentum in this direction, right? So if you invest in a few areas and it starts to ultimately materialize might take a little bit longer in order to get off the ground. But at the end of the day, you'll have essentially solved that problem permanently to the extent where it won't be heavily dependent upon all these elements or the conditions in order to be right, in order for you to be able to continually generate results. So uh, the whole like generating results on demand thing is not ever something I felt you could necessarily consistently rely on. You needed something that was that had a little bit more momentum behind it. And again, it might take a little bit more investment up front, but it's always worth it 
right? Everyone that we have worked with at Podcast Shift that stuck with the service has generated such dramatic results for them that most of them have foregone or given up every other way they were trying to generate business. And they invested it 100% exclusively into the podcast because it blew all of those other strategies that they were trying completely out of the water, right? That doesn't mean you stop doing things like investing in marketing and other ways to generate and develop relationships, like still meeting people in person and whatnot. You're still, I still have a lot of value for that. And I still do all of those myself, but this can be one of the best accelerators to progress for you. And the sooner you start, the sooner you're going to get the kind of results that you're looking for. But it's all about focusing on the likability element, the building relationships element, protecting your brand and reputation element, and then ultimately just trying to figure out how to work with the kind of people you want to work with and ultimately solve the problems that you want to solve. Awesome. All right, Sean, I want to thank you again for being on our show today. I think the the the, the background uh, around how Podcast Chef got started uh, sheds a fair amount of light on uh, kind of what that uh, relationship-based selling looks like and and why we bother doing podcasting as a solution. It's, you know, it's clearly it's not the first thing you think of like, oh, I need to grow my business. What are you going to do now? Uh, podcasting? You know, um, <laughs> well said. but, but you brought a fair amount of, uh, uh insight there. And I think it's going to be uh, super useful for the folks that are listening to the show. So thanks again for coming on. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the consulting trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at Brian at podcast That's B R I A N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.